0: Welcome to the Crossroads Church Podcast. You're about to hear a message that we hope will inspire, encourage, and challenge you to grow closer to God. So sit back, prepare your heart, and see where God can take you.
1: All right, am I turned on here? Good, good, good. Just remain standing for a minute. If you don't mind, we'll have our calisthenics. Um, I I can't tell you how much I love your pastors. I, I love coming here and having an opportunity to share with you because you are a part of my forever family. But um, the real highlight for me is to just sit across the table from your leaders and to have an opportunity to receive from them. You know, one of the great sins of America and of the world is ingratitude. It's not appreciating what God has given us, who God has given us, and the impact that they have on our lives. What you need to understand is God has given you pastors that are respected and honored and revered all over the world. That there are people that would pay money just to have an hour of their time. And these people stand before you in this place because this is their place You are their family, and they would rather be with you than anybody on the planet. And I want you to give your leaders a great round of applause. Amen. I'm going to ask you just to bow your heads for a moment for a word of prayer, and let's just really believe God that he is going to speak to us today by his word. Father, we pray that we will hear from you today. Lord, I thank you for the word that's already been spoken. I thank you for the word during worship. And I thank you for the word during this exhortation time. And we have received it deeply in our spirits already. But we pray, living God, that right now you will speak to us concerning the basics of what you are calling us to right now. And we just give you the glory in advance for how changed our thinking is going to be when we walk out of this place. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen, amen. Amen. You may be seated. If you have your Bibles, you might want to turn with me, please, to Jeremiah 6. 16. Jeremiah 6 16. I want to speak to you on the subject today of old thoughts for a new year. Old thoughts for a new year. And by the way, Missionary Thibodeau, you blew my doors off today. I was just, I didn't want you to stop. I mean that it's just amazing what God has called you to do and what you're doing and we definitely want to talk to you afterward because God's moved my heart concerning what you need and I want to be a part of that. Jeremiah 6:16. 6, this is what the word of God says. Thus saith the Lord, stand in the ways and see and ask for the old paths. Ask for the old paths. Where is the good way? And walk therein, and you shall find rest for your souls. But they say, we will not walk therein. Also, I set a watchman over you, saying, hearken to the sound of the trumpet. But they say, we will not hearken. We are entering into a new year, and we all know that January 1st is when we celebrate New Year's. Now, that is not necessarily a good thing, because it was originally established by Julius Caesar. And January 1 was chosen, and the month was named after his favorite deity, his god, Janus. And Janus was a God with two faces. One face that looked to the previous, backwards to the year that had passed, and the other face that looked to the future, the year, the time to come. It was, of course, a time of revelry and of surfeiting and partying, and debauchery. That's the way the new year was rung in then, and that's the way it's rung in now. But when you look at the word of God and you begin to search to see what God thinks about the new year, you come upon the fact that there are actually two new years that are celebrated on the Jewish calendar. You say, well, How is that possible? Well, let me ask you this. Is your calendar year the same as your fiscal year? They serve two different functions. And it's the same way in the Jewish calendar. These two new years serve different functions. The first year that is celebrated, new years that is celebrated, starts on Aviv or Nisan one, because there are two names for this month. Nisan 1 marked the new year for the purpose of counting the months on the Jewish calendar. And the scripture lists two names for the first month of this new year. Most of the Jewish culture today refers to it as Nisan. On the Gregorian calendar, it usually begins in March. Our march which signify or mark the beginning of this first newish, Jewish New Year. And there are three of seven sacred feasts that begin, of course, with this New Year. The first being Passover, the second being the Festival of Unleavened Bread, and then, of course, first fruits a few days later. We all know... As people who study the Bible and understand that the history of the Jews is inextricably connected to Christian history and to Christian prophecy that Passover was exactly when Jesus was crucified and that unleavened bread was exactly when he was placed in the tomb and that first fruits was exactly when Jesus was resurrected And that brings us to the next celebration of the second new year on the Jewish calendar. And this new year is called Rosh Hashanah, or the Feast of Trumpets. And this is literally a feast that is is garnished with the blowing of trumpets. In fact, there are very specific instructions as to how the trumpets are blown. There's the first trumpet, the second, the third, the fourth, all four distinctive sounds. And many of us who have studied Bible prophecy and understand that God is not a random God, but a very focused and organized God in the way that he approaches his communication with his people, believe that the next advent of the church of Jesus Christ, the return of Jesus, the blowing of the trumpets, the catching away of the bride, will certainly be on this feast day. You say, but the word of God says that no man knows the day or the hour, and that's true. No one knows the day or the hour. Just so happens that the feast of uh, trumpets, it is over a two day period. There's no way you can know the day or the hour. You say, are you saying this for certain? No, I'm not saying it for certain because I don't know the future totally. But I believe with all of my heart that when the culmination of all of this is complete, that what we're going to discover is that God had it so detailed and that it fits perfectly with our being grafted in to the Jewish chosen people. Interesting. Now, in today's Israel, there is a great celebration for this new year. A lot of dancing, a lot of singing, whole lot of eating. In fact, Rosh Hashanah is the time when everybody breaks out their favorite dessert. It's the time that celebrates the sweetness of life. But it is not a time of revelry. It is rather a time when the people of Israel reach back for the old paths. It is a time when they are very sober in the way that they approach life. When they're very sincere and they're laser focused in the way that they enter in to this new year. In fact, there are three words that are used in The guide that the Jewish people use for celebrating the new year. The very old concepts, very old words, Hebrew words. Number one is Teshuva. Number two is Tefillah, and then number three is Sadaka. Not Neil Sadaka, for those of you that were raised in the '60s like me, but. That is the way I remember the pronunciation, I can tell you. Teshuvah, tefillah, and Sedaka. Teshuva is the word for spiritual realignment. Say that with me, please. Realignment. I like the word. Spiritual realignment. It's most often translated Repentance. I knew I was right on when this wonderful young man stood here a few minutes ago and began to talk about repentance. You see, the fact is, without repentance, you don't have a relationship with God. I heard a young man recently say, we don't need to repent. God has already forgiven us once, and if he forgave us once, we are forgiven Yesterday, today, and forever, we are forgiven. He said the concept of repentance is born out of guilt and condemnation. The fact is, the concept of repentance is born out of a relationship between God and man that is ongoing and is very important. Every one of us need to understand that repentance is the core of our relationship to our God. In fact, repentance is the core to our relationship with everybody. There was a woman that took her husband to counseling. And the very first thing that she said was, he never tells me that he loves me. We've been married 20 years. He never tells me that he loves me. And then the husband said, well, look, I told you I loved you when we got married. If anything changes, I'll let you know. (laughs) How many of you understand not a sure foundation for a happy marriage? You see, the fact is in every relationship, you must be sensitive. You have to be sensitive concerning the feelings of the one that you're in relationship with. And what you've got to understand is this. The word of God It's not just about information. We have made it so, but it is not just about you getting the information. This Bible that you, some of you are holding in your hands this morning is all about your love relationship with your sovereign. And to keep it fresh, you must be sensitive. And if you are sensitive, what you do to hurt him hurts you. You don't just flippantly say, I'm sorry. It's all taken care of. Jesus paid a dear price for you to have the opportunity to say, I'm sorry. Jesus paid a dear price for you to have the opportunity to turn on your heels and walk away from all of those things that violate him. Go against his word, and his will for your life. You know, in the human vocabulary, there are three phrases that are very, very tough to say. I was wrong. That's tough, isn't it? I was wrong. How many of you husbands or wives would say, oh, that's easy for me to say. Don't raise your hand because then you're guilty of another sin. Fact is, it's hard to say I was wrong. What we want to do is couch our our apology in all kinds of rationale. Well, when you said that, it just kind of flipped me back to a time when I thought you had said that other thing, and then I was, oh, forget it. Stop rationalizing. Stop trying to make the offended party part of the problem. You were wrong. Say it. I was wrong. Here's the next phrase. I'm sorry. But because that has to come with sincerity. I'm really sorry. Will you forgive me? Is the third. I was wrong. I'm sorry, will you forgive me? When it comes to our relationship with the Lord, we need to have moments where we become very focused, where we become very sober in our thinking, where we become very convicted in our spirit. And with great humility and great honesty, we say to him, Lord, I was wrong. It's just wrong what I've been doing. It's just wrong the way I've been thinking. It's just wrong what I've been saying. I was wrong, Lord. And then I'm so sorry. Will you forgive me? Now, my friend, you know he has already forgiven you. But yet relationship demands the true expression of repentance. Because we love him, we are sensitive to him. I'll never forget one day praying about finances. And you should pray about your finances, especially today. In our country, you need to be praying about your finances. You need to make money so that you can support the kingdom of God. Amen. I got so tickled because there was a young person who came to our church and they became very, very critical of the fact that I stood and talked to our people about prosperity, about the importance for the people of God to claim prosperity that they might support the work of the kingdom. Someone once said... (laughs) There's plenty of money, there's just not enough vision. We don't need to talk about money, we need to talk about vision. And let me just tell you, friends, that's a bald-faced lie. That is not the truth. Because if I had money today, Shreveport, Louisiana would look different. I have a lot of vision that hadn't been financed yet. And I don't know any man or woman of God that is worth their salt that doesn't have a vision bigger than the money that they have to finance it. I promise you, there's so much I would do in the inner city of Shreveport, Louisiana, if I had financing today. There is so much evangelism that I would be able to support. Every time I hear an appeal like I heard today, just this young woman giving her life away, I'm not going over there. I'm thinking, you know know what I'm sitting thinking? I'm thinking, a path just big enough for a motorcycle are there lions out there i'm just going i'm going to get on a motorcycle and go through the the bush knowing that uh the lion king is out there i i, I can tell you it's not happening you think i wouldn't love to support it? You think I would not, if I had money, love to give her every dollar she needs today? You you think I wouldn't want to to literally finance everything she does so that she would never have to raise another penny? You see, that's what, what you can do. Amen? And we need to pray that God blesses our finances. Well, I was preaching to my church about that and those principles that we believe for. And there was a young man and came into our church that was a missionary, but he was kind of one of those missionaries that didn't have a real, you know, assignment or backing. He was just going, you know, there's an old saying, some were called, some were sent, and some just bundled up and went. And he was one of those third guys. And so he he came, he came to me afterward. He said, I, I am so offend, offended by what you said. I said, well, I, what did I say? He said, you talked about prosperity. I don't believe in the prosperity doctrine. I said, oh, well, what do you do? I'm a missionary. Well, how do you make your money? I trust God. I said, oh, okay. So you mean you are depending on, on the people that you don't want to make any money to support you to do what you do for God. And he looked at me wide-eyed like, well, I never thought of it that way. I said, that's exactly right, son. You've never thought about it at all. I said, "You, you, you need to find you another fiddle to play because that one is way out of tune. You see, the fact is, every one of us, every one of us in this place have a relationship with God where we should want to do everything within our power to bless him, to touch what he wants to touch, to heal what he wants to heal, to supply what he needs supplied. But we miss the mark, don't we? And when we miss the mark, It's just important that we are able to realign ourselves, that we are able to repent. True conviction, true conviction brings spontaneous, simultaneous repentance. You don't wait on it when it happens in here. When you have your heart broken, because you know that you have violated him, that your sin has been full of ingratitude and insensitivity to all that he has blessed you with, to how he has loved you, to how he has provided for you, to the past miracles that you have seen. then you simultaneously, spontaneously begin to cry out, oh, I am so sorry. I want to get back to the the money thing uh, I was praying about finances, and I was praying with fear. How many of you understand that sometimes our tears in prayer are more born out of fear and mourning than they are faith and brokenness? we're We're just crying out to God because we don't have any faith. And of course, he is a compassionate Lord. But yet that's the truth. That's where I was. And the Lord spoke to me. And he spoke to me in sentences. And he said, Denny, do you not think I've taken good care of you? Do you not think I've taken good care of you? How? It broke my heart. I began to repent. I said, Lord, no. No, that's not what I'm trying to say here. But obviously, that's what I'm communicating to you. I repent. I'm so sorry. I don't want you to ever get the indication from me that I don't think you've taken good care of me. You've always met my needs. You see, the fact is, when you get sensitive to God, when you begin to reach for the old paths of repentance, then you will begin to find a new depth, not only of relationship, but of repentance so that you might walk in a repentant life that is not about guilt-mongering, but is all about the passion that we have for an intimate relationship with him. Here's the second word. The second word is tefillah. And it is reconnecting in prayer. Reconnecting in prayer. Both my grandmothers were prayer warriors. One was this five foot eight Charleston dancing champion when she got saved and filled with the Holy Ghost and she put all of the passion that she had for the party life right into preaching the gospel. She uh, would take her Martin guitar and go right out onto the streets of the small towns of South Texas, Southern Oklahoma, and she'd have street meetings, playing that guitar and singing songs, and then she never found a devil she didn't want to cast out. She would go with me on my crusades, and I will never forget when I was just a very young man, and we were down in Florida for a crusade, and Mama would just bring her clothes and get in the van with us and say, "Hey, I'm going too," and so she'd cook for us and she would be our prayer covering when we went to these meetings. So she's down on the front and I'm preaching that night and all of a sudden there is a demonic manifestation just like in the days of Jesus. Someone cries out, demonic manifestation. Then they fall on the floor and they begin to writhe on the floor. Reminds me of when I was in India for the first time and I'm praying for people and the pastor's ne- near next to me and I put my hand on this Uh, woman, and she fell to the ground and began to slither like a snake. Most amazing thing I've ever seen, slither like a snake. And the pastor looked at me and said, demon. And I said, you think? (laughs) Well, this is one of those moments. And so this person cried out. I mean, just, just cried out and it was demonic. And I watched my grandmother Running, Everybody around that person began to run away. And there's this one lady that is climbing over folks. And you have never seen such joy on anybody's face as was on her face. She couldn't wait to cast that devil out. And let me tell you, as soon as she got her hands on him, he was free by the power of God. My other grandmother uh, was a little Cajun lady um, who... Raised her family in Hackberry, Louisiana. And um, she spoke only French for a long, long time. That She got a few English words. I'll never forget visiting her and hearing her pray. She prayed four hours every day. She was connecting with God in prayer. Four hours every day. And um, my dad got her a great big Bible, big, big, what they used to call blue ribbon Bibles. It's one of those desk books, you know. You just put it there on the coffee table and probably open to one of the beautiful paintings that's in the middle of it. And uh, dad bought her one of these. And uh, we noticed that it was coming apart at the seams and the the pages were loose. And so we said, Grandma, what is happening to your Bible? And she looked at us and she said, oh, Sha. I beat that devil with that Bible. (laughs) I drive him out of my house with the word of God. You know, the truth is she had been walking around with that 30 pound Bible and she had been pounding that little fist into that Bible. She had been praying four hours a day, standing against the enemy, praying for me, praying for her other grandchildren, praying for her children, praying for the missionaries, praying for the pastor, praying for revival. She understood the concept of tefillah reconnecting with prayer. I've been known as a preacher all my life. That's what I have done. I started preaching when I was 17 years old. By the time I was 18 years old, I was preaching 200 times a year. That's what I did. I traveled all over this world preaching the gospel. I have... Never discriminated when it came to the size of crowds or churches. I've simply stepped through every door that God opened for me. If I had it open on my calendar, I went. And if I got an invitation, I went. And to this day, if I don't get an invitation, I don't go. And I don't call and ask anybody if I can come. I want to know when God wants me in the game. And I want to know when he wants me on the bench. He's the coach. I don't want to ever, ever step one step past him or want something from my life that he doesn't want. What I can tell you is this, is that I don't want to be known as a preacher anymore. I am in my 70s and I've asked God for a change of assignments. I'll always preach, but I want my primary to work in these days of my life, these what some would call twilight years to be the work not of preaching, but of prayer. I've said this to God. I said, God, I've been known all over this world as a preacher. I said, would you please in my later years allow me to be known as a prayer? Because I believe that there is a coveted place in prayer. That is the great blessing and privilege of Christian living. To be a prayer warrior. To be an individual who storms the gates of hell and who provides the plans of God and purposes of God silently powerfully for those that are crying out to reach the world. I want to be known as an individual who prays. I want to be the person that people will call if they need somebody to pray for them. I want to know the joy of that. My grandmothers had it. My father had it. And I claim it as a generational blessing upon my life. Some of you young men and women, you are so anxious to do something great for God. Let me just tell you, you can do something awesome for God and never change locations. You can pray. And by the way, our God is calling the world to fresh, powerful, prevailing prayer. Did you hear what I said? I said, he's calling the world. Not just the church, the world. Now, I was watching Monday Night Football and then all of a sudden, this wonderful young man who I understand lives an exemplary life and is a Christian. He takes a lick and it's just the right timing where his heart was in the right sequence and when it happened... The heart stopped and he fell. He would have died on that turf had there not been immediate action by those on the team who resuscitated him. But this is what happened immediately. Nobody cared about football. And I don't know if you, you had it dawn on you what happened. But in that moment... Everybody, including the commentators, were saying, forget the football game. Forget the football game. Booger McFarlane, who is a great um, commentator, former LSU All American, said, somebody get a hold of the NFL and tell them to stop this game. Nobody wants to play anymore. The commentators lost their words. They weren't even able to talk to each other. And people began to pray. The, um, Scott Hagan, who is the president of Central, uh, North Central Bible College and our great friends. And in that moment, he said, are you watching the game? I said, yes. And then he said, I think the young man had a heart attack because it looks exactly like an NBA player Uh, that had a heart attack. And I think the way he fell, he may have had a heart attack. Of course, he, he was spot on. And then we began to talk about the miracle that happened because do you realize that in one moment millions went to prayer? Do you understand that on Monday night millions of Americans prayed and some of them prayed for the first time in their lives? And some of them prayed for the first time in years. But do you understand millions of people prayed in one moment, it happened. You see, here's the fact. When God turns a nation to prayer, he doesn't need any time to do it. The God who spoke us into existence can also in a moment turn us from our revelry And from our ridiculous way of living to the sober-minded, focused, lasered prayer that he is eliciting right now. You see, ladies and gentlemen, let me tell you, it is important as we approach this new year that we find the old paths of reconnecting in prayer. And then here's the last thing, Sadaka. This is, a new commitment to serve others. Now you have to understand, for thousands of years, these words have been in play. For thousands of years, these concepts have been important to the people of God. Before Calvary, before grace, before a relationship with Messiah was even possible, these principles we're calling to people as they entered their new year. And it just so happens that this new year celebration is also the Feast of Trumpets. See, what you need to know about the Feast of Trumpets is that these trumpets were a call to something, they weren't just celebratory. They were a call to the people of God. When those shofars were blown, it it, it signaled some action. It signaled some change. It it signaled some new focus. It signaled some new energy from the people of God. The trumpets are blown. Jeremiah, the passage that we read, As I summarize, it says this. Call for the old paths so that your souls can be fulfilled. But you wouldn't do it. Blow the trumpets. Blow them loud. Blow the trumpets. Get my people to pay attention again to what I'm saying. But they wouldn't hear it. As we uh, face this new year, we need some old ideas for a new year. We need to go back and we need to search our hearts and repent. We need to reconnect to prayer, to seeking the face of God. And we need to reconnect a service. You say, well, what can I do? I don't know. What can you do? It's really a question for you to ask, answer, isn't it? What can I, what can you do? I'm a pastor. I've been for a lot of years. I'm involved in ministry all over the world. In my hometown, i I passed this lady and it was 30 something degrees and she was wrapped, honestly, in just a little flimsy blanket. And I thought, that's terrible. And I looked for money, cash. I didn't have any cash on me. I said, but if I give her cash, maybe she's going to go and just get a drink or get drugs. I, I I was miserable all day. And then I passed somebody else on that cold. And and there he was just with a flimsy little nylon windbreaker, 30 degree temperature. I'm going, what? Finally, I just, my brain was on fire. And I said out loud to myself in the car, I've got money. I can do something. I went and pulled into uh, Burlington Coat Factory. I don't know if you know this, but Burlington has deals on discarded coats that you can pick up for a few bucks. It's crazy. Shoes, coats, socks. I cleared out the whole back of my expedition and I put coats in successive sizes and I put shoes in successive sizes. And I put socks there and, and mittens. And I became a traveling homeless closet. I, I've had so much fun doing this. But the very first thing I did was go looking for that lady. Finally, I found her. She came over trembling. I opened the back. I said, which one do you want, darling? Which one fits you? She got to pick out her own coat. I said, here, I've got these boots and these socks. She walked away. She, she was warmed. She, she was taken care of. I opened the back of that, and all of a sudden, there were homeless people coming from everywhere. I, right now, I've got to go Restock. And I can tell you the rest of my life, I'll have a homeless closet in the back of my car. Why? Because I have money. I can go do that. I can go spend it on somebody else, not just my grandkids. I can go spend it on somebody else, not just things I want. You you see, the fact is, what can I do? What can you do? The three questions I want to ask you. What do you need to repent of? If you know what you need to repent of, stand all over this place right now. You'll say, I know what I need to repent of. Maybe it's just not being devoted enough. Maybe, maybe it's because you've allowed something to come between you and a family member. Yesterday, I held in my arms a young woman who was absolutely distraught. She loved her mother, but her therapist told her she shouldn't have contact with her mom for a while. For six months, she has not talked to her mother. But you see, I was hugging and holding her at her mother's funeral. Oh God, would she love to have the opportunity to go right now and say, Mom, I'm I'm sorry, I was wrong, will you forgive me? You know what you got to repent of? Stand. Because here's the, I don't want to put pressure on you. Because here's the point. If you don't, if you don't know, just sit there. That's a good thing. It's a good thing. You're in a good place. Sit there. It's okay. But if you know what you have to repent of, stand. Now, if you know that you're not connected to God in prayer in the powerful way you should be, let me just ask you this. If that young man that had gone down on that field was your brother, your son, and you had needed to connect with God immediately, would you have felt good about your connection? In other words, if you know that you need to reconnect in prayer, Stand. You say, I, I need I need new power in my prayer life, Pastor I, I I am not a man or woman of prayer like I need to be. Stand all of this place. We're talking about old ideas for a new year. Amen. Now, how many of you will say, I'm ready for a new assignment? you say, I've heard the old truth of reconnecting and I'm ready for a new assignment. Stand with me, please, all over this place. If you're ready for God to give you a new assignment to do something for the Lord, amen? Now, all I know how to do, I don't know how to do anything in a clever way. All I know how to do is to just go head on with this thing, you know? So I just, it's what I do i love to lift my hands. If you'll do that right now, just lift your hands. And I want you now to, to just deal with God. In other words, right now, your focus is Him. Your focus is the Holy Spirit, and He's going to help you. But I want you right now to lose the thought of anybody being around you. And I want you to lose the thought of being in this sanctuary And I want you just to focus right now. Focus right now on the Lord. And I want you to take care of your business with Him. You take care of your business with Him. Everybody, everybody, take care of your business with God. We're starting a new year. It can be different. In fact, it can be the greatest year spiritually that we've ever known. We're starting over. But we don't start with January, we start with God's calendar. God's calendar of repentance. God's calendar of prayer. God's calendar of serving. That's what we start with. In the name of the Lord, lift your hands all over this place. Glory to God. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, he's here in such a powerful way, isn't he? His Holy Spirit is here. Pray this prayer with me, Lord Jesus. I know you know what's going on in me right now. And how sincere I am about this. I'm ready for some old ideas for this new year. I'm ready for some old thoughts about this new year. I want to be free of everything that displeases you. And I want to reconnect in prayer like never before. Show me. And let me mark this moment as a moment when everything changes. In Jesus' name.
0: Bless your hope that the message really resonated with you today. Perhaps you're someone who's never really made a commitment to Jesus Christ. Today, I want to give you an opportunity to give your heart to God. If you're someone who can't really say you're living for God, if the truth is you're just living for you, if you're someone who has no real assurance about what awaits you when this life is over, listen. God loves you today. He's made provision for you to be saved and forgiven of all of your sins. You can be made right with God. He wants to give you a brand new life here and now and an eternal life when this life is over. And here's what he says in Romans chapter 10. He said, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. He is simply waiting on you to call on him and make him Lord of your life. Why don't we do that right now by praying a very simple prayer together? Just pray this prayer. Let these words come right from your heart. God's going to hear that prayer. He's going to forgive your sins. He's going to make you right with himself. Let's pray. Dear God, I come to you right now in the name of Jesus. I know that I'm a sinner I know my sin separates me from God. I don't want that. I believe in Jesus. I believe He died for me. I believe He rose again through faith in Jesus. I believe my life can change. So I ask you, Jesus, come into my heart, forgive all my sin and change my life. Be Lord of my life. From this day forward, I don't live for me anymore or the world around me. God, I want to live for you. Help me to do that. And God, I thank you right now. Even as I pray, according to your promise, my sin is forgiven. I'm now right with God. I am saved. Thank you, God, for saving me In Jesus name, I pray. Amen. Well, if you just prayed that prayer with me, hey, we want to know about it. Would you just text the word saved, S-A-V-E-D, to the number that we provided so that we can connect with you and give you some next steps. God bless you today. And thanks so much for joining us.